The Law Report with Michael Matueneng Bell, Kaya FM 95.9. Good evening, good evening, good evening. I'm standing in for my big brother, Michael Matueneng Bell. He's somewhere, somewhere in the Republic making a lot of money. I'm standing in for him today. Take you through the Law Report. We have an interesting guests today and... Um, as you would know, I have a special interest in issues of human rights and uh, particularly for those who are poor in our society who can't afford the most expensive things in, uh, in life. So we have people from Legal Aid uh, who are going to assist us in this conversation. We're going to deal with a number of issues that affect uh, representation of particularly indigent people, uh, people who don't have money to afford lawyers like uh, Michael Motoneng Bill. We are going to deal with issues of criminal law, issues of uh, civil law, uh, and you're more than welcome to give us a call on 0860000959, 0860000959. Kaya, I encourage you to call early because what usually happens in this show is that we start having an avalanche of calls towards the end of the uh, uh, towards the end of the show. So it is important that you 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 give us the call early. Uh, put your questions to uh, members of the Legal Aid Board who are here. Uh, they are more than competent to answer your your questions. Towards the end of the show, we're also going to bring in a perspective of private lawyers, people who are in private practice, what informs their charging tariffs, what informs uh, how they take on uh, they take on matters, and generally how it inf- uh, how that is is differentiated from. Uh, from uh, from legal aid so uh, in studio i have the national operative operations executive of uh, of legal aid advocate brian Nair and mr patrick uh, handermark um, who is the legal aid chief executive so it can't get better than this so okay give us a call put your questions to to them uh, so in a sense it's an open line in that sense to say if you have a question around criminal law if you have a person a question around uh, civil law be it marriage be it divorces be it maintenance be it issues of of of, uh, of representation particularly for those who can't afford lawyers we're going to deal with the um uh with an, with, with with the range of issues so the earlier you put in your call the earlier you can possibly get a question from uh, your 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 questions answered um advocate now maybe let me start with you um, can you just give us a, a sense of what legal aid is and, um, and, and, and what considerations you, you take into account when you, you, on whether or not you're going to accept an instruction from, from, from someone? Thank you, Milo. Thanks for the opportunity. It's a pleasure to be here and connecting with your listenership. Uh, legal Aid South Africa is a public entity uh, that uh, derives its uh, mandate from the Constitution. Uh, so the mandate of Legal Aid South Africa primarily is to ensure that we provide legal representation to indigent and vulnerable persons who cannot afford uh, to obtain those services themselves. So specifically, we have uh, sections in the Constitution that link to criminal legal aid, and that will be in terms of Section 35, 2 and 3, that talks to uh, a substantial injustice being done to persons or detained, arrested, or sentenced, who, who who would not be able to afford uh, legal legal aid themselves. We also have other provisions in the constitution, such as Section 34, that uh, broadly saying gives people access to courts in order to resolve disputes. Section 28 that gives uh, children the right to receive legal aid at state expense. So that, by and large, is our, is our object. Our objective. We have a network of local offices and satellite offices throughout the country 
we 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 got 128 offices countrywide. We we employ over 2,000 lawyers uh, at different uh, experience levels. Some are candidate attorneys and other ex- uh, are admitted practitioners. So we cover all the criminal courts in the country. So there's not a court in the country that we legal aid South Africa does not have it have a presence in. So by and large, what we do in terms of criminal legal aid which I'm more focused on. Patrick is, is very much focused on civil legal aid. Uh, in terms of criminal aid, legal aid, what we do is, for the lower courts, we have got what is called a practitioner per court model. So we have a practitioner stationed at a court on a full-time basis, uh, responding to the demand for legal aid that comes from that court. Oh, okay, maybe let's break it down from 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 uh, from what you have said so far before before I come to to Patrick. So, uh, do I understand you to be saying if, if you are a state entity essentially, and you receive your funding from from the state to achieve a constitutional objective? So you 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 are a creature that is created by the constitution in order to further the exactly to, to provide legal assistance to to poor people as of right. Yes. Now, when you say if substantial injustice is going to to uh, to ensue, wh- 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 what do you mean by that? Do, do you do you, do you mean that there is a? Or maybe let's start let's start backwards. What constitutes a person being able to to receive uh, legal assistance from legal aid? So legal aid South Africa is, as I said, indicated as I indicated earlier, is there to ensure that we provide legal assistance to people who are indigent. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so what is the, the definition? For, yes. The test for indigency is what we use is a means test. Yeah. Okay, so it looks at one's income levels and, and, and uh, so at, at the moment in, crim- in criminal matters any person who earns a salary after tax of less than 7,500 automatically qualifies for legal aid. Okay. okay. So, so the, the the first point is, if you earn seven thousand five hundred and less, is it uh, you are automatically you automatically qualified to be represented by legal aid? For legal aid. Okay. okay. Uh, but it also depends on what you charged with in the criminal courts. There are some few charges that we may not provide legal aid to. Like what? Okay. Uh, let's say uh, loitering. Uh, 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 drunken, drunken driving. Some some cases of drunken driving, we may not provide shoplifting, lifting. In some cases, we but why? Provide. So the be, test is uh, substantial injustice. Okay. But but if, if if I'm charged with loitering, if I'm charged with shoplifting, uh, it's a charge at that stage. There is a possibility that I might be convicted, and any conviction, whatever it is, should it has consequences beyond the beyond the matter itself. Yes. Yes. Fact, and that would constitute substantial injustice. No, no, definitely. As, as I said, we have got some list of charges that we may not provide legal aid for. Defamation of character, uh, for instance. So in terms of uh, shoplifting, if there is a, a view, and I think we may have actually addressed it in our, in our manual, we'll just double check, that there is a possibility of a person being convicted, and if convicted, they may be liable for a, for a fine or a period of incarceration then that would be substantial injustice for which legal aid will be provided. Now, now I, I, can I take you on there a bit, a bit, a bit counsel? A bit, um, I, I, I'm concerned about if a person is poor and cannot afford a Michael Motsoneng bill and is charged with loitering, and at this stage it's a charge, and if he's not represented because he can't afford Mike and he's excluded by... A reason of a policy or another by legal aid when all other factors 
he he or she qualifies. He's unemployed, he's staying in uh, Winnie Mandela informal settlement. They are charged with uh, loitering uh, at one of the big corporates. They found their loitering in one of the big corporates. There is a charge now. The possibility of a conviction exists if this person is not properly represented. Surely that they should no, the, the point I'm trying to suggest to you is that there should never be an exclusion to the extent that a person can't represent themselves. Yeah, I think the reality is, and Patrick, you can you yeah. can join in. I know you can join in. The reality is that Legal Aid South Africa is funded. Okay, so we can we can offer legal aid to a certain extent. So so legal aid is limited to the extent to which our budget can accommodate. So if we have to provide legal aid for every person who's charged for every offense, the reality is we may not be able to accommodate that within the budget that we have. So as a result, we have to do some tests. And one of the tests we do is substantial injustice. Okay, so what is the consequences of someone being convicted? And, and true, it may be, a, 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 it may be a, a conviction, a person may have a record, but we look at whether you have the possibility, for instance, of being incarcerated. Where you are going to be incarcerated, with or without the option of a fine, then that's something to us is going to be what we will term substantial injustice for which legal aid will be provided. So we, also, we, we have also got mechanisms where, in terms of the plain administration of the system, we may say legal aid is not provided, but a person has the op opportunity to appeal, and at different levels of the organization, that appeal can be considered. And even in certain cases, for instance, a person is very young and it may, it may affect their, their career going forward, then legal aid can still be authorized. I, I hear you. I, I'm not sure I'm persuaded, but, 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 I, but I hear you. We, we, so, so you, 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 yeah? yeah maybe I'm just come in and, and a little bit. So when you ask substantial injustice, where does that come from in terms of the constitution? So substantial injustice was defined in a case of State versus Kanhile in 1977, which was adopted into the Constitution in terms of Section 35 and, and uh, three, 2 and 3 to define what substantial injustice would be. So what does that mean? So substantial injustice in terms of State versus Kanhile says it looks at the person, their level of education, the seriousness of the offence that they're facing, um, and their ability to represent themselves and then to come to consider in terms of the consequences. So State versus Kanyele, on in terms of some of the exclusions, and I must, the shoplifting has now, was previously excluded. We have included, where research has shown us, and the same thing with drunken driving, they were excluded. Research has showed us that people were facing substantial injustice in those types of matters in that they were getting direct imprisonment of more than three months. Mm -hmm. And that's also part of the definition that came out of State versus Kanhele, and that's what we've applied. The rules is also not hard and fast. There is a discretion built in in terms of our regulations, and, and maybe I must explain. We have the Constitution, but the content that's given to the Constitution is in our evening legislation, the Legal Aid South Africa Act, and then also in terms of our regulations, which go through a parliamentary process and parliament approves those, the types of matters we do, the means test, and we've got to go through parliament in terms of the approval of that. But there is a discretion. So the only court where we exclude matters is the district court, where it's more minor offenses. So failure to render a tax return, driving without a driver's license, yeah. drunk driving is included, shoplifting now is included as I indicated. So where we would see um, that there's some offences that may result 
um, in direct imprisonment and our research shows that it's something that we will look at to then include within the scheme of legal aid because we want to avoid those kinds of issues that you're raising. We've even had instances where you find um, truck drivers, which we wouldn't normally for the road traffic offences, getting charged with road traffic offences. It's not covered in terms of the district court matters we do. We've given them legal representation because we've been finding in certain areas they will get direct imprisonment. And therefore, we've built in the discretion for our heads of our various offices to be able to exercise that discretion and saying, no, despite this exclusion for district court matters, the person will face substantial injustice. No, that's that, 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 that's that's refreshing to hear. So, 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 so generally, you would you would you would err towards granting the person uh, representation. Generally speaking, if 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 I'm subject, to, of course, to the limitation of the resources available, which, which I can confirm, hello, that the majority of accused persons who apply for legal aid obtain legal aid. Yeah, and I'm talking about in the region of about ninety nine percent. Yeah, there's very few on means yeah. who do not qualify for legal aid. So, 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 so we, we assist the majority in, 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 in the I courts, I can say plus minus 80% of all accused that are processed through that court receive legal aid. In the regional court, it could be about 70%, and the district court, it could be about 60%. Yeah. No, no, no. I, I, I think, the, 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 I think the, the, it's important for, for, for the Afropolitan to appreciate that dealing with court is, is a very complex matter. So if the possibility exists for you to get either a private lawyer or if you can't afford a lawyer t- uh, to get legal aid, um, one who say perhaps take the opportunity and, 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 and if, if, if legal aid is saying that the majority of people who apply uh, in the region of 99% uh, are given the legal representation, I think it's, it's, it's something that people should, 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 should really, uh, really take. Yes, sir. And let me add one, one further thing is we do have mechanisms built in for protection. So where someone is refused legal aid, um, whether it's an excluded matter or for means, they have two levels of appeal. So if a head of office had to refuse, they can appeal to the provincial head. And if they're unsuccessful there, they can appeal to national office. There's one further rider, though, in terms of Section 22 of the Legal Aid Act where it says, despite legal aid having refused legal representation for an accused person, the presiding officer is entitled to, in Section 22, to call for legal aid to bring a report as to why they didn't qualify, and the court then can consider um, as to whether they would themselves then order us to grant legal aid. So there is that protection also built in to the Legal Aid Act that the presiding officer is able to do that and, and... any accused person is entitled to say, I've been refused, but I would want you to consider this in terms of that section. Yeah, so, so broadly speaking, the idea is that as much as possible, the person must be, must be legally it's, represented, particularly the poor. It's about, yeah, it's about providing access. But I need to also say that there could be people who exceed our means test and will traditionally not qualify for legal aid, even if they exceed it by quite a margin. Yeah, so, so I, I was going to come to the second issue to say, you, you said 7.5 yes. as, the, as, the, as the criteria. So what, uh, we have dealt with exclusions and we've also dealt with that there is an inherent discretion to, even if it is excluded, to afford the representation either directly or through an, a, court, a court order. What are the mean, other means tests? Maybe can I clarify first is, those limitations only apply in the district court. There is no limitation to the charge whether you charge in the regional court or the high court. It, it, There's no exclusions for okay. those two courts because of the seriousness, and we accept by, by the it, very nature of by the, the court. very nature of that court. Okay. It, 
of the in that court we know you're facing serious consequences so there's no limitation in those two courts i want to say the limitations is only if you're charged in a court of uh, a district court okay so if someone exceeds the means test so yeah. we have built-in levels of discretion in the organization like at the head of a local office for instance as the discretion of granting legal aid notwithstanding a person exceeding the means test by 1500 yeah if it exceeds up to 3000 the head of the region which is a provincial executive has that discretion okay and if it's over 3000 then then they could also uh, escalate it to national office uh, executives who have built in uh, built in uh, discretion so 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 so, so the, the 7500 is automatic uh, that's the first part of the means test yeah. Uh, what I'm interested in, disc- in in finding out from you is, what is the other means test? Is, say, 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 say I earn fifteen thousand. Is there a situation where you say you earn fifteen thousand? It's almost double this amount. Let's look at your expenses per month. Let's look at yes. at the end of the month how much are you are you left with? So, notwithstanding that you 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 earn what appears to be a lot of money, but in real terms, your 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 disposable income is X. Is yes. that part of the means test? Yes. I, I think let, let's clarify. You see, the Constitution says where you would suffer substantial injustice. Now, the means test for us is an easy administrative manner to determine uh, whether you qualify for legal aid or not. And um, that deals with about 99% of our cases. It's the 1% cases where you say you have someone that earns substantially more. And that's where the what we would call our constitutional means test comes in. And you look at the factors that impact on a case. The duration of the case is going to impact on the cost of the case. Um, the complexity of the case will impact on the cost. And therefore, although you may earn a certain amount of money, the question then becomes is, are you able to afford the cost of your legal representation? And that becomes the question in so the constitutional more, means of... Okay. So if okay. you're earning more and we're saying you're going to be on trial for five years... And you're earning 30,000 rand a month. Yeah. Would you be able to afford the cost of your own legal representation? Um, we more than likely would say we don't think so if you're going to run okay. for five years because of the duration and complexity. I'm happy and, to you, hear and, that. and you look at that. And then we might say, well, at that level of income, make a contribution in terms of the contributions okay. policy that's been approved. And then that's how we would then assist. That's very encouraging. Um, Kai, I'm, I'm, I'm talking to the legal aid. Um, uh, uh, generally, we know that um, uh, they assist people who are in, indigent, people who can't afford legal representation. But now we, we're learning something quite new, that you might actually be earning some, some money which might not be termed little money, but uh, given the complexity of the matter or the duration in which the matter can run, you might still be um, I- entitled to uh, to the assistance of the lawyers and advocates, attorneys and advocates from uh, from, from legal aid. So um, l- l- let's do exactly what Abraham in Westrand is doing, is calling very early in the discussion so that he has access to uh, representatives from um, uh, legal aid. Uh, give us a call on 86 959 We'll speak to Abram after the break. Know your rights. Know the law. The Law Report with Michael Matsuening Bill. Welcome back to the Law Report. I'm standing in for my big brother, Michael Motsuning Bill. Um, in discussions with representatives from the legal aid board, Advocate Naya. And uh, Mr. Patrick Handamak is the Chief Executive Officer of of, uh, of Legal Aid. Um, Kaya, give us a call on 086 Let's have a discussion. Let's 
get to understand um, uh, uh, what the legal aid does um, and, and, and who qualifies to be represented by, by Legal Aid South Africa and uh, who does not qualify. And uh, we, 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 we had the first part of the discussion where I think something quite interesting came that even if you might not necessarily meet the means test, you may be represented by legal aid on account of the complexity of the matter or how long the matter might take. Let's speak to Abraham in Westrand. Yeah, how are you guys? Very well, Abraham. Hello? How are you? I'm fine. I wanted to ask two things. There's this scenario where a person has contravened a protection order and uh, commonly legal aid will say it did not represent. Uh, what is the basis of that? Because my opinion is a protection order is a legal, uh, uh, it's complex legal issue. And secondly, how do uh, management, how do you monitor the quality of uh, your candidate acting in the district court as to customer satisfaction? Because there is this opinion that is right, that would say, Ah, uh, you take legal aid, you lead it to take. Thank you. Uh, thanks, thanks for that question. Uh, Patrick can do the first one, but let, let me deal with the issue on the quality of CAs. How do we manage the quality of candidate attorneys? I must say that we have one, uh, we are certainly the largest employer of candidate attorneys in the country. We have over 600 candidate attorneys at a point in time. And therefore, we take the training and the quality of candidate attorneys uh, very seriously in the organization. So what we do is we make sure that before a, before a candidate attorney is deployed to courts to represent clients, they undergo a very uh, comprehensive training program, which we call the court readiness program. And it takes, on average, just over two months to, to ensure that, that they are court ready by the time they actually go to court. So our candidate attorneys are only de uh, deployed to serve clients in the district courts. So notwithstanding that some of them may be have the experience to go to the regional courts, they only work in the district courts. And we have got various support programs in place. And one of the critical ones is that they are under the constant supervision of, of supervisors at the local office. So we have got full-time supervisors whose one of their primary job is to ensure that they hold the end of the candidate attorneys to ensure that they are properly prepared for the case and they properly execute. So, so, so Advocate Nair, where does this perception that uh, the, there is a problem with the quality of legal representation from Legal Aid South Africa come from? I, th I think uh, the, the perception could be certainly from the past. Legal Aid South Africa is, is, is an organization that has transformed itself over the past, the past decade. So unless you are familiar with what we do, you may still be under the impression that Legal Aid South Africa has got uh, a, a, a model where, where candidate attorneys or, or, or practitioners are overworked. They, 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 they are running from court to court, etc., and, and they're not knowing what they're doing. So, in fact, in terms of the new model, where we have largely insourced the, the, the representation of clients, we control how our courts are covered and how the lawyers are managed from a quality perspective. So, therefore, we can say quite, quite closely that our monitoring of quality, and we have got an in-house program whereby we, we, we monitor the quality standards of our lawyers, more than 
of our lawyers meet our quality standards. You'll find that the presiding officers of courts, when we consult with them on a quarterly basis to obtain feedback, they are invariably very impressed with the quality of services provided. We monitor things like... Components. So you, 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 you get feedback from the presiding officials as to how your, your, your candidates are performing? Yes, that, that is part of our quality uh, intervention programs to obtain feedback. Uh, we monitor, for instance, complaints that come in. I can say uh, clear, clearly that the, the, the volume of complaints that, that used to come in the past to where it is now, now it's almost insignificant because by and large we are able to deal with issues at court to ensure that our, our practitioners are properly prepared, are continuously present and able to represent clients. What type of complaints do you receive? As I said, at the moment, the complaints are, are few, but if there's complaints, our biggest complaints at the moment deals with capacity. So if a, if a candidate attorney or a lawyer is absent from court for any reason, could be sick, or could be on leave, we don't have the capacity to put another person in his place and run the case. So what it does is there may be courts that literally depend on legal aid in order to function for the day. And if our practitioner is not there, then all those cases come to a standstill that court actually doesn't operate. So our biggest complaint is dealing with capacity. And the reality so is... So the capacity and not the quality of representation. Very rarely uh, we get uh, complaints on quality. In fact, I'd like to say that Legal Aid South Africa has some of the best criminal lawyers in the country, primarily because... Uh, of, our, of, our, of our mechanisms in terms of how we serve courts. If you want to serve in the I court, whether you're a private practitioner who wants to be briefed by Legal Aid South Africa on our judicial system or an internal practitioner, you must have so many years of experience. For instance, in the, in the, if, if an advocate from the bar wants to join our legal aid program and represent clients in I court, you must have seven years experience post-admission of which four must be work active work in the high court so anyone less than that will not be allowed to represent the client in the high court same with regional courts in the regional courts you must have five years minimum experience so by managing the experience level of our lawyers we're able to ensure that the very inception they have got the skills to represent clients in the matters that they face is there anything to to be gleaned from uh, I, I don't know if well it might be an unfair question for now is there anything to be gleaned from saying the rate of convictions, uh, in particular in criminal matters, of people who are represented by legal aid demonstrates anything? Does it demonstrate anything? I, I, I don't think one can uh, consider the conviction rate as a test for the, uh, the, 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 the success of a legal aid lawyer. We must know in the, in, the, in, the end, in the first place, we don't control the matters that come to court. That is, that is decided by, by the prosecutions. So if they got a prima facie case against someone and there's evidence to someone, they bring. So we don't have a choice as to who our clients are. Our job is to ensure that every person has a right to a fair trial that their version is put before the court as best as it could, so that the court must be in a position to, to determine the guilt or innocence of a person. So in terms of us, whilst we will monitor uh, how our matters finalized, whether it's by guilty plea or not, is it a conviction or not, our supervisors, are, when they look at qualities, to say, did you do a good job in terms of representing the best interests of the clients? How was your level of cross-examination? Did you cover the spectrum of the evidence before uh, uh, that you had in order to ensure that your client was well represented? So the test for us is, did you provide a good service to the, to, to the client? Oh, okay. Before I come to you, Mr. Hanamak, to, to, to answer the question of the caller, if, 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 an, if, 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 a, if an allegation is made to say 
because of capacity issues legal aid generally um, uh, makes people plead guilty to to offenses uh, because they don't have the capacity to uh, should i use the word take a take a chance and plead not guilty and see whether the state is going to cross the line or not how, how would you respond to say generally legal aid would gently nudge you into a guilty plea in order to deal with the with, with, with the issues of capacity you see that's another perception that that could have originated many years ago that legal aid lawyers plead guilty i can say you one of the things that we are accused of by stakeholders particularly the prosecutions etc is that legal aid lawyers don't want to plead guilty they want to fight every case if they can and we have got various quality program mechanisms that before you plead guilty, if you are a candidate attorney, you have to discuss that with a senior lawyer or a supervisor so to, who must be satisfied that the elements are there for you to plead guilty. So I can say that there, 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 there is a bigger onus on our lawyers to, to, to justify a guilty plea than continuing with the case. So, in fact, the big criticism of us, by, from especially the prosecutions, is that where cases could have been pled guilty, legal aid lawyers want to continue to represent the clients and take it through its process. Mkaya, Advocate Naya is saying uh, legal aid South Africa has the best lawyers in town. So, if you're going to court tomorrow, go find that legal aid at the court in which you are, court, court you're, you're going to. Mr. Hanamak. Yes, I wanted to say it's correct that in terms of if you charge in the district court with the breach of a domestic violence um, order, that legal aid is currently excluded. But as I said to you, there is that discretion built in firstly, so that if you're able to go and show that I may face direct imprisonment as a result of this, that you can put that forward to the head of the office and if you're unsuccessful you can appeal against that and your last remedy is then to say to the presiding officer i i'm concerned that i face that and therefore i would want you to have that section 22 inquiry but it is correct at this stage um maybe with the focus on domestic violence uh, we're going to find sentences becoming more serious and it will be a policy issue that we will need to review and consider and i think that's a valid point for us to at this stage consider that and, and where are those sentences in those domestic violence types of breach of the domestic violence order going to how quickly do you relook at your at your policy perspective in order to respond to to the dynamics and the changing uh, system of what is happening on the ground well where we see it um, it's obviously we've got to go through our board and put it through to the board and then for any amendment to the regulations, we would have to go via Parliament and get Parliament to approve the amendment to the regulations. So, no, no, no. So, so you, the, the, the aspects that are excluded, for you to add an, ex, an exclusion or to remove an exclusion, how long does that process take, give and take? Give or take, you know, it can take anything from about three to six months. Um, depending on how soon you can get through into Parliament and for, the, for both Houses of Parliament to consider the amendment to the regulations. Uh, that's, that's quite some time, is there? Uh, that's quite some time. It is, but as I said to you, the discretion is built in. Well, the, the discretion remains. The discretion remains. So, you know, insofar as we see now that there's a problem there, that discretion remains to say you're facing substantial injustice in these matters because of these practices. Therefore... You must exercise that discretion. So you exercise the, the discretion subject to the confirmation of the parliamentary process? Well, subject to then you including those types of matters in the scheme so that you don't have to have someone exercising the discretion 
to give you that representation. So it makes it then clearer this is now included because of the consequences we see people facing. Okay, maybe while we're, while we're at that, as far as civil matters are concerned, what is in included, what is not, what is excluded? What type of civil matters do you represent people on and what type of civil matters don't you, don't you represent people on? So for the benefit of, 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 of Umkaya, when we talk about civil matters, we gen- generally speaking, and I'm generalizing, talking about a dispute between two individuals or a dispute between two juristic entities. Um, uh, uh, when we talk about a criminal matter, uh, it's the state versus someone. When we're talking about a civil matter, we, the state is generally not involved. So, so th- that's what we mean when we say about uh, when we talk about civil matters. So, so what what are the civil matters that are included, and what are what are those that are excluded? Well, once again, we will say anything that's not excluded or limited in terms of the regulations would then fall under the scheme, subject to our available resources. So, what we must say is about eighty-seven percent of our work is criminal defence, yeah, and about thirteen percent of the work with, that we do is civil, which makes up about fifty in the last financial year, twenty eighteen nineteen, made up about fifty-three thousand civil matters. The uh, whole year for the whole year, fifty-three thousand for the whole year. That that civil matters where you required legal representation. Then we also do advice, whether via our paralegals or via the call center, and that made up another 308,000 people that were assisted with legal advice, not necessarily with legal representation in the courts. Uh, why do you think that is so, that the, the, the greater number is in, is in uh, um, it, well, maybe let me put the question different. Why do you think, was 53,000 in a, in a financial year in a, in a country with so much inequality and so much poverty, that's, that's well, I, I suppose you've got to go and have a look at Yes, how many um, number of matters that go through the court, how many involve poor people. Um, it is, and, and, and there is more demand than what we can meet in terms of our capacity, and that's the reason for the limitations that are contained in the regulations. Now, I can go through them and list them, but I don't know if, if, if that really okay. no, no, helps no. us so, in the discussion. No, no, so, so uh, you, you, you would deal with divorce matters? We deal with divorce matters, yes. You deal with maintenance? Maintenance, that's where one of the limitations are. So maintenance, we will only assist you if the other party is legally represented and your case has merit, or where you haven't been able to obtain an order in a period of one year or enforce an order in a period of one year. Then we will assist you in a maintenance matter. That makes up about 3% of that uh, 53,000 matters we do. And you'll ask me, why do you limit it to that extent? And maybe le- let me say to you, our internal capacity on civil is about 48,000 matters a year. Okay. You get 250,000 new maintenance complaints to uh, the Department of Justice annually. Um, it's impossible for us on current capacity with current resources to then give um, legal aid assistance in 250,000 matters. In reality, we don't have the capacity to do so. And there's also maintenance officers that are appointed by the Department of Justice to assist parties in putting their maintenance case forward. And in and, and, and respect of maintenance, of, uh, maintenance claims for minor children? It includes uh, the maintenance claims. Most maintenance claims would be for minor children. No, no, would no I, I mean, if, 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 uh, if they are bringing the action themselves. They're bringing their action themselves. Obviously, children are entitled if they have to bring it in their own name and as minors, but invariably they won't have the capacity to do so. They would have to have a guardian that assists them or um, 
if they're older than 18, then they're no longer a no, minor. No, yeah, no, sorry, maybe the question was imprecise. Uh, what I meant is for 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 for, for children who who people who are who are minors who don't have guardians who don't have people that can possibly uh, act for them. What is the capacity of legal aid to act for those people? Um, uh, uh, um, people who generally don't have people that can can go and fight their causes obviously there's then the provisions in terms of the children's act and section 55 of the children's act says that where the the presiding officer is of the view that a child should get legal representation and they should require legal aid to investigate and report that was a limitation that was placed into the children's act but generally i can say where a child had to apply for legal aid for assistance in a civil matter and it's an issue um, where the child requires assistance um, it's something where the children will get assistance in i i have a special interest in these uh, disputes around these family houses mm. in particularly in the townships this was a family house you know those things that they used to write to write the names of the, the right people. of occupation certificates exactly. yes what, 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 is is legal aid involved in there when when there's a dispute about who owns this house and the house has been sold? You want to set aside the 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 sale. So let me say, where there are estates where minor children are involved, legal aid provides assistance. We've got a cooperation agreement with the master's office. We generally don't do estates; it's one of the excluded matters, save where there are children involved, so that we can protect the best interests of children, specifically linking to houses. Um, and then obviously simply to, to any monies that we can recover. And obviously those monies we pay into the Guardians Fund where it's about 5,000 Rand that we collect. Um, and this is mostly will be children uh, who are um, both parents are deceased. So, so, so in respect, before I come to you, Tandek, uh, so, so, before, so, so in respect of maintenance matters, if someone earns, say, 30,000 Rand, and you do a means test like we're doing. I assume the means test is the same, whether it's a criminal matter or it's a civil matter. Correct. The other party is now represented legally. And you do this means tests. So am I hearing you to say that person does qualify to be represented by legal aid to the extent the other party has a lawyer? Where the other party's got a lawyer, they must also then qualify in terms of the means test and their case must have merits. So if someone's coming and we feel that um, the case doesn't have merit, we may refuse legal aid on that basis as well. But in your example of someone that earns 30,000, they would be above the means test and they would more than likely be refused and that 30,000 might be above the discretion in terms of both the head of office and the provincial executive. They would be able to appeal to us at national office and once again say to us, due to my commitments X, Y and Z, I've got three children uh, the father of the children um, doesn't support, doesn't pay maintenance, uh, therefore have these expenses. And it's something that we would have to take into consideration as to whether we will assist or not. Okay, I'm speaking to Legal Aid South Africa. Give us a call on 86 Tandeka from Soweto. Uh, hello, everybody. How are you, Tandeka? Hi. Okay, so I'm Tandeka. I've got a, a, a question. I've got an old, uh, eight-year-old son. Um, he's never seen his father, and his father has never seen um, our son. So of late, my son has been asking about his dad. He wants to see him. He's asking why he doesn't come and see him. So, you know, like when you speak with friends, we talk with friends, they normally give advice. They'll be like, uh, so why don't you take him to his father? 
why don't you go and knock at his door and show him and just send uh, the son to him? So I want to find out if, can I do that? Can I just take him to, to his father they've never met and just drop him off with his father? Is it right? What consequences are there for me? Can he go to uh, family court and say, you see, uh, he has done such child with me. Can I now have full custody of, of our son? I'm scared, but don't know what to do because our son is just being, um, is now asking about his dad a lot now. I don't know what to do. Tandega, Mr. Yeah. Hamamak has the answer. Yeah, Sorry? I think, Tandega, um, you know, I, it's, I don't like giving advice just over the radio on, on something so critical and important. And and I think to just say I'm going to go and drop my child off at a father in eight, that he's never met in eight years, you don't know the circumstances he, he lives under. I think it's something that you rather want to look at. How do you have a reintegration process between father and child and that you have uh, professionals involved as to how you can achieve that? To just go and do it, I think the consequences are too severe, specifically for a child from a psychological perspective. So I think it's rather get some professionals involved and see how you can do it. And I think it's, it's, it's important for a child to, to know their parents, but I think you want to understand the circumstance that you are putting the child into and also the impact on the child themselves. Um, the further difficulty sometimes, let's be honest, uh, fathers don't want to have anything to do with the children, and it's not something that you can force. And I, I suppose that's what we've got to be careful of. So I wouldn't just go and take the child and drop him off there and say, well, yeah, um, I'm handing over. He's going to spend time with you. I'd rather see how we can get a reintegration process going. And I think if you want some assistance with that, should rather make contact with us and let's see how we can link you to people that will help with that. Yeah, I, I think, Tandeka, we've just been told that legal aid is virtually at every other court. So maybe approach the nearest court there and seek to speak to someone from, from, from legal aid. Then, of course, the, the, the detail of what exactly is at stake and, uh, and be guided uh, from, from there. It's, it's important to always act in the best interest of the, of the minor child, which is what the, the, the test is. After the break, we're going to speak to uh, Boucher from uh, Tonisa Atenis. Um, it's a, uh, it's a private attorney and we want to have a discussion as well to see what the difference is between the services that are being offered by Legal Aid South Africa and what is offered in private practices after the break. Call us now, 086-00-00-959. Welcome back, Mkaya. I'm standing in for my big brother, Michael Motson and Bill on the Law Report. I'm joined in studio by Legal Aid South Africa. And on the line, I'm joined by Bushle from... Tonisia Tennis. Um, you, 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 you have been listening in and uh, we've generally been talking about uh, access to legal representation for the indigent in our, in our society, those who can't afford you and those who can't afford <laughs> Mike. And uh, so, so, so generally speaking, how much does it cost to, to consult a, a private lawyer? Well, it, it varies uh, when it, it, because uh, most of our colleagues price according to their experience. So it can be anything from 1.117 to 3,000 or 4,000 rands per hour. And, and, and how is that money paid? 
Um, it depends. Some of the clients pay upfront, and then some pay during um, the, the process where you're busy with the matter or at the finalization of the matter. And because sometimes, uh, as private attorneys, we've got cases like uh, suing rough or medical negligence. Most of those are done on contingency basis, so it's paid right at the end um, uh, of the matter when it is settled. So okay, so 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 let's let's so we have two extremes now. We we have one extreme in terms of which money is paid upfront uh, by 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 the client. Then the, the other that you are referring to as a contingency agreement, which is paid at the end. Can you explain the latter part what, to say if you are entering into a contingency fee agreement with an attorney, what does it entail? Well, it, most of the time, contingency basis are done when uh, an individual uh, sues the RAF or the state. Uh, it depends and can be different cases. However, by law, we are regulated as attorneys. We can charge anything from zero to 25%. That is the maximum that we can charge. So what happens is that uh, when you take the matter, uh, the client signs the contingency fee agreement and then you go through with the case you pay for everything if there are experts that need to be paid for you pay from your own pocket and then you claim whatever is due to you when the settlement amount has been paid the attorney is paying for is paying is paying for the matter as the matter goes yes and when you say it's 25 percent, it's 25 percent of what it's the 25% of the settlement amount. If the, 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 the settlement amount is a million, then you are only entitled to 25% of that million. And what happens to, to those costs that you would have dispersed during the running of the med? <laughs> they are covered because remember, the winning side, usually a court would say that uh, a settlement amount uh, is due to so-and-so, um, which is a 1 million, and then the state or the road accident fund is also ordered to pay costs. So that's where you are also able to recover your cost that you spent throughout the trial. So, so Bulta, you became famous for the matter that you took on and almost took, if I understand correctly, you took, took it on uh, pro bono of the, of the lady that was charged for killing uh, the man that raped, the, raped her daughter. Is that, that's correct, isn't it? Yes. So what are the kind of things that you take into consideration before you take a matter like that where you you are not going to be paid and you decide you're going to take a matter like that? Um, well, the good thing about what we used to call the law society, but now is the legal practice um, council, we are trained to at least do certain a certain number of matters pro bono, meaning that the client doesn't pay a single cent and you cover the matter yourself. So uh, we work in a society. You see the work that is, that is being done by legal aid. Uh, at, at some point, we will need to be able to assist. If they have limitations in dealing with some of these matters, we should be able to take them and meet the legal legal aid halfway because people are really in need of legal services and most of them cannot afford those. So what you look at is that when you take the matter, you try to analyze and estimate the cost because you can't take a matter that you leave halfway, uh, leave the client hanging when you could have foreseen that you might not be able to afford um, uh, the matter up until it is finalized. So in that particular case, I knew that I would need a number of uh, expert witnesses if it went for trial. However, it was a different case because experts were willing to to also give me reports pro bono. So it's one of those that all I was going to incur is the expense, uh, is disbursements, and I was going to donate my time that I spend in court. That was quite commendable. Let's let, let's speak to Shelley in Johannesburg. Shelley. Hello. Yes, Shelley. Yes. Hi. I wanted to ask the guy from Legal Aid um, whether they represent people at the CCMA on labor issues. 
Mr. Hannemark? Um, no, it's one of the C- representation at the CCMA um, ex- excluded. Um, even uh, even the rules of the CCMA exclude legal representation, and we know that the, the former law society also challenged that. It's only if the commissioner had to order under particular circumstances, but we still don't provide representation at the CCMA, save if it had to involve a farm worker whose Esther rights were implicated as a result of a dismissal, um, then that's the only time that, that we are authorized in terms of our regulations to be involved in a CCMA matter. We do do the reviews to the Labour Court and any no. Labour Appeal Court and any any matters like your automatically unfair Labour practice or dismissals that have to go before the Labour Court, we do do, do those kind of matters. And if I want, if I need legal representation, who do I go to? Um, at this stage, it's difficult. You'd have to try. Um, you can go. The we have a cooperation agreement with Saslaw, who is at all four of the labour courts around the country. Um, they do have. Uh, they render pro bono services there, and they also do have practitioners um, that are willing to take on matters that that have the necessary merits and provide representation. Sorry, they, what were they called? They called Saslaw. S A S L A W. Um, they are. They have an office, um, and I'm not too sure where you are, but they have in Johannesburg. They have an office at the Labour Court in Durban at the Labour Court, Port Elizabeth at the Labour Court. Um, as well as in Cape Town and they've got an office there and you would be able to go there and see if they would be able to provide you with pro bono assistance Thank you very much for your advice Let me just come back to you on private representation so other than a consideration of how much time it would take you to take on a matter are there other considerations that you take into account to say I'm going to take this better even though I am not going to be paid in your in your in your capacity as an officer of the court do you have a duty somewhere somehow to 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 represent a person who who can't afford you well we are not forced to uh, because like I said even when the legal practice council would recommend that you must at least uh, dedicate 48 hours um, per annum uh, doing pro bono work we are not forced to I can still get away with it so I believe that it also boils down to uh, the attorney as an individual because like I said we live in societies where we see these challenges some people uh, don't have access to I'm, I'm based more in rural areas and I know that some of the people are not even uh, able to go look for uh, legal aid which is in 95 kilometers away from where they reside where, where they reside so it's one of those instances that you you, you get to, to decide uh, it's all about being human i think that that's the only thing because really speak truly speaking no one can force you to do pro bono work if you don't want to is there a possibility of you saying that i'm going to take this matter because it 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 has an impact on the changing of law particularly for the people that you are concerned about those people in rural areas and those people who are poor is there is there room for someone to say this i'm going to come to 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 Boutle to uh, with this matter because it is a matter that is systemic in nature and uh, the the conclusion of this matter has an effect on the broader society of people in, in a similar position. Those are the most exciting cases to take because remember as an attorney, uh, like people would say, you get to learn over time. 
the only time you can say you have experience is after having dealt with the matter. So now, if it's a game changer, I don't think any sane attend would not want to be involved in that. And with the law changing every day, or that could be an exaggerating, but law rapidly changes due to changes in society. It assists also us as attorneys to have these reported cases because some people, you could see that we have tutor start, we have Lexis Nexis, they record cases. And in law, that's how we practice. We base everything on precedent. So if you want to be that person that changes precedents, then it's something that you should obviously go for. So, so, so Boucher is saying that uh, there's space and room for, for her to, and, and private lawyers to take matters that are systematic, that have, I think they're called the impact litigation mm-hmm. or strategic litigation. I think when I was at Lawyers for Human Rights, we used to call it strategic litigation. Um, is there space like that at Legal Aid South Africa? We have a, a, a unit that falls under me called the Impact Litigation Unit, which funds and undertakes its own strategic litigation. So, as I you know, mentioned when we started, for example, overcrowding at Polsmore Prison, we funded the case by Songa, Songke Gender Justice, uh, where lawyers for human rights represented them in that matter. In the matter of, in the silicosis matter, yeah. for example, the, it was the first class action in South Africa that was, has been certified and, and approved by the South African courts. We were involved with Legal Resources Center and funding them um, in that two matters, firstly for about 25 individual families, which we call the Blom silicosis, and then the class action over a period of 12 years. Um, so, yes, where you've got some of these systematic issues and that that requires additional resources, um, there's also that uh, attorneys, NGOs can apply um, for specific funding for that kind of systematic precedent-setting matter. So so you do join some litigation that is that would probably be currently underway as, as a friend of the court or... It, it Yes, we do. We have, we've joined various instances, specifically when the Gauteng uh, Court constituted a full bench to consider the issue of when you're doing foreclosures as to um, how do you consider declaring the property specifically executable, setting the reserve price with the new rules coming in in terms of the setting of reserve price by the court. We went in as uh, an amicus as Legal Aid South Africa to put the cases to war what basis and how we want we felt that those types of cases should be done to reduce the cost and also to give the parties involved the greatest possibility to obviously reinstate um, that agreement that they had with with the uh, um, bond institutions so 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 we 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 have learned quite a great deal from from legal aid south africa about the matters they take and the matters that they don't they don't take and we, we have also noted that they are virtually in every other uh, court in the country and uh, Advocate Nye has been at pains to explain how competent these lawyers are and that they will be more than capable of, of, of assisting you in the various places that, uh, uh, that, you are, that you'll be. It, it is better to be represented by a legally trained person than to go and conduct your own defense in criminal matters or even for that matter in, 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 in civil matters. So I think it's, it's wherever you are, it is quite... Uh, Advisable that you go and seek the services of legal aid if you can't uh, if you can't afford the the services of a uh, of a bushle. and 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 also we 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 have noted quite quite strongly from bushle that there are certain matters that they would be willing to take depending on the complexity of the matter and how long that uh, uh, that would take. So bushle, before I let you go, 
if there is someone who has a matter that they think you are able to to help them with, uh, whether they are paying or it's a matter that is of uh, of importance, how do they get hold of you? Okay, thank you. First, I, I want to share this after your comment. I did my articles at the Legal Aid uh, in Germist and Justice Center. And it so Advocate Naya is right after all. That it produces yeah. the <laughs> so it really breaks my heart when I hear people saying that legal uh, um, aid uh, candidates are incompetent. Because we are exhibit one. I know one. how hard, yes, I know how hard to, we work to make sure that we make we leave a mark and make a name for ourselves. So they are correct. I agree with them that legal aid does everything possible to make sure that we are well equipped. Um, I'm based between Johannesburg and the Eastern Cape. So the first thing is that a person can call me directly on 083 8723969 now usually people would call and want to speak to me directly and wouldn't want to be assisted by anyone else in the office however i always emphasize this i am Tonise and i work for tonisa tennis so we have a full team there it doesn't mean that when i am handling your better then it will be properly taken care of everyone there is is a is a, a, a qualified and admitted attorney they have the client's best interest at heart thank you very much Buse, for 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 joining us and and lastly from from legal aid how, how do they how do people get hold of you well obviously as, as brian mentioned we have 128 offices throughout the country but you can always make contact with our legal aid advice line and they will be able to then link you provide you with first level advice yeah what, what is the number the number is zero eight double zero one ten one ten Thank you very much, Mkai. It has been quite an interesting discussion. I think I've learned quite a lot from Legal Aid South Africa, and I've also quite learned a lot from Bushle. Uh, we hope to meet you again next week. Michael Motsoneng will be back.